Welcome to Fire Headlines, where we discuss the hottest fire news to hit within the last two weeks. I'm your host, Inanna Hankey, and joining me today is the panel, Chief Jeff Buchanan and Chief Bob Horton. And we are so excited to have a special guest with us, Dr. Kelly Morgan. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Well, I have to say it is my distinct privilege and honor to welcome Dr. Kelly Morgan to our show. Dr. Kelly Morgan is doing great, great, great work in Southern Nevada right now. She's been working with the North Las Vegas Fire Department for a number of years and then took on a dual role to assist Las Vegas Fire and Rescue as they try to push to the future. She's brought a whole heck of a lot of progressive thinking and just great imagination, and she really has a care for firefighters. So we're really interested to hear what her perspectives are as as we talk through and chop some cool discussion up today. Thanks so much for having me. It fits in really nicely with our topics today, which all have to do with health, whether it's firefighter health or those that we are helping in our community. Our topic today is firefighter fitness. And the article we chose is Lacrosse Firefighters Improve Fitness with Sports Science Help from Mayo, a partnership between Mayo Clinic Health System and the Lacrosse Wisconsin Fire Department is yielding promising results for improving firefighter strength and stamina. The partnership involves the presence of an athletic trainer who takes measurements during a standard exercise routine and with a little help from Fusionetics, a tech-enabled performance healthcare system, which creates a personalized workout and targets for each individual. They can then share these targets through an app. So, Bob, something I've heard fire service professionals joke about is that the only thing a firefighter hates more than the way things are are doing things differently. But why do I get the feeling that making your workout routine more targeted and more efficient probably doesn't fall within that category? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And thank you, Anand, and way to frame up this article. I really like uh, the discussion that this article brings. First of all, firefighter health and wellness, firefighter fitness, uh, mental health and wellness, top of mind of all firefighters, right? And, and, and every bit as much as the as that cliche goes about not liking the way things are and or change. You can also really not go into any fire department across the United States, ask them what their number one priority is, and you're going to hear the firefighter safety. We teach that mantra in, from the day you start in the fire academy is to worry about your safety. And this responsibility for wellness comes at the top, you know, it sort of comes, comes to the top of this idea of safety, right? How do you get yourself prepared physically to do the job of firefighter to keep yourself out of some longer term health issues, which is what this article is here unpacking. I want to applaud the courage of the Lacrosse Fire Department in Wisconsin for having the courage to go forward with this type of a of of an analysis of them. It takes a lot of willingness and courage. And I do, and I like I love anytime we can do evidence based uh, evaluation of our systems to try to make them better. So I think that's that's really cool about what it is that they have going on here. What I like, you know, in, in particular, is how they're trying to tailor. Uh, an experience to the various employees. Everybody's bringing something different. And, I, and I'm really excited to have Dr. Morgan's perspective on this because it's it just simply isn't about current lifestyle. There's going to be some genetics, you know, that have to, that, that are going to weigh in on this. And I'm not going to pretend like I, I know all of the different medical components when we have an expert to do it. But what I'm really interested in that, that this article points to is sort of expressing this idea of the optimal firefighter 
right? And and I'd be curious to really get more into what it is, what they're looking at. Because you asked firefighters, what is firefighter fit? And I've asked that question a lot. And everybody who is fit in whatever discipline that they subscribe to, some are, you know, big, tall, you know, strong athletes, uh, others are yoga enthusiasts or marathon runners or right. And everybody sort of brings a different physical ability with whatever it is their specialty is. And I, I of course would argue there's a range of what is optimally fit, uh, in terms of a firefighter. I don't think there's one body type or one, uh, approach to being able to, to do this. Uh, so I, I like the personalized personalization. I like the customization excited about what it is, where, where they're going, what we're learning more importantly, where they said the future of their research is going and it has to do with some mental wellness and it has to do with some, with some sleep. Uh, I'd like to, to turn it over and, and hear from Kelly Morgan a little bit on this, like how her interpretation was. I, I think this is a great thing moving forward um, and, a, and a great step. And I, and I agree. I think lacrosse has done a fantastic job of basically trying to help put numbers to what physical fitness is and what it means in terms of being able to perform the job of a firefighter. They talk specifically in the article um, about air capacity and about how long your tank lasts and, and potentially then how much time you can expend before you need to come out, replace a tank, rehab, all of those kinds of things. Um, I think that this is kind of part of the movement towards really understanding that firefighters and, and a lot of your your first responders and, and public safety officers really are what we, we term a tactical athlete. And if we start thinking about the job in terms of sport and in terms of the amount of athletic ability that it requires to do the job, especially when you're pulling hose and interior and you know, having to climb out of roofs and, and all those things, like it requires a very large amount of athletic ability. And so if we can shift the mindset into thinking more like an athlete, we can figure out how to tailor our exercise prescription plans to fit the needs depending on the job that you're doing. So when you think about breaking down fitness, you think about different components of fitness. There's strength, there's flexibility, there's endurance, power, you know, and you, and you think about kind of those different things and, and Bob, just like you said, everybody is going to have a different strength depending on their body type, depending on the kind of exercise they like to do. A lot of people who like to lift weights don't want to do cardio. And some of the guys who like to do upper body don't want to do lower body. We all know the types, right? Um, and, and so I think really being able to start to use the scientific method to say, what are your strengths? What do we think an optimum level is for peak performance? And then how do we help you address your weaknesses so that you can best perform on the job? Um, and, and I think that when you look at, you know, major college athletes, professional athletes, everybody has a strength and conditioning coach. Everybody has very tailored exercise prescription plans to help meet the needs of whatever the sport is. And I think if we start looking at firefighting in the mindset of being a sport and our firefighters as athletes, we can figure out how to help them best succeed in the job and, and the requirements that there are. Um, so I, I think that this is a great idea. I think um, using force plates and understanding that. Um, I personally hate BMI because I think it's a, it's a really outdated thing. I think uh, things like body composition are a much better measure. We all know the the short fire plugs, you know, who are short and stocky and have a lot of muscle mass, but we wouldn't consider them unfit. 
Um, so I hate, I personally hate BMI, but I also understand that right now it's kind of the standard for everything that's been used um, and it's lasted forever. I think that this is a really, really great first start. I think this also falls in line in one of the regulations where they're trying to set fitness standards. It's like 15, 15. Yeah. It's 1582 and FPA. 82 maybe. Thank you. But I think that those are really great steps to try to set standards because the overall long-term health um, is really important. And if you start off with one fitness standard in the academy and, and it's not realistic for what's on the job, you know, are we setting people up to fail when they get into the workforce? Or are standards in the wrong place in the academy and we need to do a more gradual approach to find some happy middle ground where we keep people healthy, we minimize injuries, and then we take into consideration, you know, what what body types are, what your strengths are, what you're actually doing on the job, and then how do we work around injuries and, and help you with flexibility and mobility and, and things like that. And then as we get older, I mean... I think we all wake up at some point and are like, roll out of bed and you crack and you pop and, you know, it takes a bit to get moving. And unfortunately, when you're on the job and, and on the clock, you don't have that time period to kind of wake your body up and say, hey, let's, I need like 10 minutes to kind of caffeinate and get going. Like that's, that's not really a thing. Um, so I think the more that we can incorporate better, more structured physical activity, especially in the areas of movement science, in particular, yoga, stretching, things that improve mobility uh, going forward, lack of mobility um, and lack of flexibility is one of those biggest predisposers to injury. So I think this is a fantastic article. And the fact that they're planning on pulling in sleep habits, because we all know working 24s, 48s, flipping back and forth is horrendous for your cortisol levels. And that has been a major uh, predisposing factor for heart disease and pretty much every bad disease known to mankind. So uh, kudos to, to lacrosse for doing this. Going back a little bit, I'm curious just to hear a bit more about the difference for those who aren't as familiar with these concepts between body composition and BMI. If Could you just touch on that briefly to explain you know, how, from a health perspective, you're viewing the body differently with these two different ideologies? Absolutely. So BMI um, is is kind of, I, I call it semi-junk term, but it's, it's what we have that has to do with your height. <laughs> and your weight. And that is the only thing that matters. Um, so you could be super tall, but have quite a bit of adipose tissue and still have what they would consider an appropriate BMI, or you could be short and very muscular with very low body fat percentage and be considered overweight or obese, even by BMI standards. But that was kind of the, the beginning measurement of how do we even quantify body composition? And, and that's where BMI came from. Most places nowadays are using several different types of body composition measurements. They used to use kind of the old fashioned calipers where they pinch the fat and say, you know, how much, how good are we? Um, that was always very uh, evaluator dependent in terms of how experienced you were with the metric, how much water you'd had the day. Like it's, it was a very variable measurement. A lot of the times we've gone much more now into um, biometrical impedance. Um, they have things like in-body scans um, that are commonly used in gyms. They're very easy. You grab on and then it basically circulates uh, like an electric current through and, and that passes at different rates through different types of tissues. So that's how they, that's how they do it for the most part. Gotcha. Anana, can I bring in a different dimension here? I really want to get Dr. Morgan's take on a slightly different perspective here. You know, one of the things that drew me in this article was air consumption, the SCBA and their, you know, the performance of the firefighter interior and what that does to conditioning. 
And it took my mind to a place that I think is a real struggle for the fire service. And we could go down the PPE route, which is so much more innovative, uh, innovative, so much more technologically advanced, where you have the thermal protective performance being able to repel the radiant heat and the ability to off gas or off put some of that energy inside the, the, the ensemble. But when you talk about the physical fitness of a firefighter, which theoretically you want to keep them interior to be able to do their job. But what are you seeing right now with firefighters at times staying interior too long? From the article standpoint, I love it too. We want more physically adaptive firefighters. We want them to be more agile. We want them to have better endurance and all these great things that this technology is working toward. But how do you find that intersection, Dr. Morgan, working with two major agencies and what you see actually on the fire ground with their conditioning and actually staying inside these hostile environments for potentially longer times than they should. I'm going to extrapolate on this one a little bit only because I don't have as much experience directly on the fire ground. But if you think about it and you're, and you're thinking about overall aerobic endurance um, and you're thinking about limiting oxygen capacities, you're looking at things like a VO2 max. Um, and that just basically has to do with how efficient you are at using the oxygen and staying within either an aerobic or an anaerobic capacity. The more oxygen you have available, the more efficiently you're able to produce energy to be able to do the job safely. When your endurance is not as good, you're not using your oxygen as efficiently um, within your tissues, you break down into more of an anaerobic state. And in that anaerobic state, kind of like when you're running sprints and things like that, your body is more likely to produce lactic acid as one of the byproducts. Um, there's more science to it, but that's kind of the, the dumbed down version, a little bit of it. For, for kind of the, the general purposes, you're producing more lactic acid. Anybody who, who knows about you know sepsis and you think about some of the other things, that lactic acid is, is due to poor perfusion, okay? And so that's that breakdown product of anaerobic metabolism. Your body takes longer to clear that if you're building up more and more of that. So the more functional you are in that aerobic state and the better your endurance capacity, the less lactic acid you're producing, the shorter your recovery time. So when you're staying in probably longer than you should, your body is probably producing more lactic acid and it's going to increase your recovery period that's warranted before you could go back in. Does that answer the question? Yeah, no, it, it answers it uh, fantastically. And I think that those are interesting perspectives for you know our potential listeners that could be hearing what you're saying to see what those impacts are inside those hostile environments and how important that intersection is between physical endurance and stamina and doing their job. I want to chat a little bit because Dr. Morgan brought up some some really important point about you know NFPA 1582 and some recent changes that have that have come out where the stand within the standard there's a recommendation of firefighters who may not perform to a certain threshold and off the top of my head I think it's about eight mets if they can't produce eight mets during an NFPA physical I think you're right. that it is recommended they get removed from from. Uh, the starting lineup is, uh, you know, to use the tactical athlete analogy, they come out of the starting lineup and they go into a rehabilitation type model. And, you know, it's controversial for obvious reasons. Nobody wants to be pointed out that they don't think they can do the job when yesterday they felt like they they could. On the other hand, there's a responsibility of the the fire chief to make sure that their folks are at you know a optimal level of health, especially when we know now we know more about how these unhealthy characteristics 
are going to contribute to a higher likelihood of you having a work-related heart issue, you know, on a, uh, going down on a heart attack, right? And we see a ton of NIOSH reports that are suggesting that very thing that we're seeing. We're seeing folks having heart attacks on the uh, on the line of duty who are um, outside what this this threshold is. And it was sort of the conversation isn't really to prosecute the level of aid or or what it really ought to be. Jeff, should we be pulling people out of the lineup if they can't? You know, that you, you, you've heard it as well as I have Ooh. in the country. It's a controversial idea. Oh, man, it it, it is. Uh, well, Bob, I, the simple answer is yes, but it's not easy. Super complex. We should be pulling people out of the lineup. But it's so first of all, first of all, it's difficult to understand. I'll, I'll, I'll use myself as an example here. I avoided rehab like the plague. I didn't want to see a BP cuff on my right or left arm because I was worried it was going to display a number that would not put me back into the fire. For the listeners who don't know, Jeff, the the rehab is a assignment on the ground. Come out of the, out of the work. Uh, You go into sort of a rest recovery period and you're provided an evaluation to establish whether you're physically ready to go back into the, into the lineup. Thanks for that context, Bob. And, and the, and the reality is what they do is they take physical measurements on your heart rate, your temperature and your blood pressure in order to decide if you're going in. And again, I, I, I avoided it and I was able to sidestep those, those situations because I was worried about either just not even going back in the fire, but, the, the reality is we should be doing a much better job of not letting people like myself dodge that bullet in order for whatever these bad reasons are. I wanted to just get back in the fire like all firefighters do. It's their safety. And the problem is if they don't think about their health and safety, they go down in a fire, they could impede or put other people in danger trying to save them. So, uh, and I think that we have to have a much more, uh, collaborative approach. This is 100% the intersection with the IAFF and the IAFC to put these accountability measures in because they are for the safety and the health of the firefighters, not just the individual who's having the, the cardiac arrest or any other malady. It's for their teammates, the men and women that are going to go in there and help them. And then you could easily link it to the community. You got one firefighter down, you got two firefighters down. Well, then who's going to provide safety for the community, right? So it all hooks together. Yes, we need to be doing a much better job. Well, and I'd like to interject too, if you, if you think about it in an athlete term, right? This is kind of like putting in a concussion protocol. This is kind of like somebody who, you know, maybe is not making the best choices <laughs> because their judgment is impeded. Maybe that's hypoxia, maybe that's fatigue, that's sleep deprivation, all things that we know affect decision-making capacity, you know, and you've just expended yourself in a fire and I get it. You don't want to let your team down, but if you can't perform at your optimal level or you can't perform at a safe level, I think let's pull it back. Not even an optimal, a safe level. You put your teammates and your, and your colleagues at risk. It's a very complex issue, but I think if you have the personnel available, then you need to use them. And we need to work on also removing stigma. And this kind of ties into some of the mental health stuff. You remove the stigma of saying, I need a break. Like I need to rest and I need to get myself back in the game safely so that I'm not putting you at risk. And we need to reward people who have the ability to self-reflect and who have the understanding and the judgment to say, I need to step back for a few and I need to let somebody else take it, even though I want to be in the game. It makes perfect sense. And all the more reason why this work that lacrosse is doing with the Mayo 
clinic and trying to get as far upstream and preparing firefighters to to not have to worry about that, right? Not to have to worry about coming out of the lineup for for other reasons. Thank you so much, Dr. Morgan, for joining us and for sharing your expertise. If you want to ask any questions about our podcast, you can contact us at fireheadlines at wfca.com. If you have a question, if you have insights, we would love to hear from you. Bob, Jeff, it's always a pleasure. Thank you both so much. And thank you to our listeners. And we'll catch you all next week for more Fire Headlines. Fire Headlines.